0: Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. And now, your host, Paul Leslie.
1: Hey, it's me. How is everybody doing out there? Good to be with you. I'm going to start this show with a question How are you treating yourself? On this episode of the Paul Leslie Hour, I'm joined by Beth Leonard Rucker. She is the founder of Just Be You, a nonprofit with a mission to help our young people. You're invited to visit org. The organization's aim is to build teens' confidence through self-compassion and self-love. Beth, I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Hi, Paul. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you. So how are things going?
0: Um things are going well, you know, just I think the the key word of 2020 is pivot. Everybody's pivoting and trying to figure out the new. And we're definitely doing that in this household too. And um, you know, you just have to you have to make the best of it, I
1: suppose. Absolutely. Make the best of things. I think most mm-hmm. stories are best from the beginning. Where okay. are you from? Where do you call home port? And what would we hear or see on any given day in your house when you were growing up?
0: Well, I grew up in New Jersey, down at the Jersey Shore in a little town called Toms River. And I had a great childhood. I mean, you know, I if you can believe it, I am the youngest of eight so my parents had eight wow. kids in 10 years so we are all very close in age and so it was a very lively house lots of energy lots of friends over always music playing you know me being the youngest I wasn't allowed to um, choose the music but the good thing is that I loved What you know, my brothers and sisters were listening to, you know, a lot of the Eagles, Crosby Fields Nash, you know, Grateful Dead, Fleetwood Mac, Carol King, James Taylor, you know, all that good stuff. So I mean that was it. There was a lot of laughter, a lot of a lot of people for sure.
1: Does sound like a full house. How would you describe your parents?
0: You know, my parents, my dad worked a lot. He, you know, was always at work. And my mom was, you know, she was my role model. My mom is, she's a very strong, independent woman. And so there's five of us girls, there was five girls, three boys. That's what was our model to us. And she did everything. She would hang the wallpaper, she would paint, she would vacuum the pool. She would fix the dishwasher if it broke. She would make our Halloween costume. She made our like prom dresses and she was just like this renaissance woman who did it all. And so I think that's where we all get our, you know, I am fiercely independent, maybe even to a fault, because it's okay to ask for help. I've learned later on in life. <laughs> but yeah, my mom was uh, yeah, she was amazing. So that was that was like my role model was my mother,
1: for sure. Again, I want to point all the listeners out there, the website, it's org, And mm-hmm. I'm hoping you can tell us about the inspiration behind this organization. I know it's something you've put your mind, your passion, your heart into. What got it started?
0: You know, it's funny when my son was young, there was a couple of kids that, you know, through my friends, their young kids, like one of them, their mom died and like something else happened and they couldn't afford therapy. And I just felt this weird calling that like, I was like, was supposed to help them. You know what I mean? I was like, I feel like if they just had somebody to talk to, I feel like I could help them. And, you know, I've always been that kind of, helper, which is not that great either, you know, but, you know, I feel like from a young age, I had this empathy. I just kind of always knew what somebody was feeling. And I'll never forget it. My dad told me when I was about 12 years old, we had this big picture window and we would always sit in the two chairs and kind of chat. He was always sitting there on weekends. And he said to me, he said, you have this gift that's either going to hurt you or help you in life. And I was like, well, what's that? And he said, you can read people the minute you meet them. Like, you know, kind of what they're going through and what, who they are. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, kind of just, you know, I was 12, blew it off. Hmm. But as I got older, I kind of saw what he was talking about. Like, I can really feel what people are going through. And so I promised myself when My son was in kindergarten that I would go back to school to get my master's in clinical counseling to be a therapist. That was my plan was to be a therapist and, you know, do it at a, you know, a low, you know, you can't do it free because they say people won't, you know, respect that. But, you know, so people could afford therapy and, you know, get some help. And then it kind of just evolved. Just Be You evolved when I started seeing some clients and realizing these kids were all having the same feelings of anxiety and depression and, you know, feeling they don't fit in. And I don't know, it's just all my best ideas come to me in the middle of the night. So it kind of came to me in the middle of the night that I should start this organization that kind of can help many, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of give them the, the self-confidence they need, the resilience they need. To kind of make it through those middle school days. We all remember middle school. Oh yeah. It's such a transitional phase in our lives where we think it's, you know, this, everything's so important. And you know, so that was, that was the catalyst when I started seeing some patients and realizing that, wow, they're all feeling the same emotions. I don't know, I would always just be like, just be you. Like, don't worry about what other people are doing. Just be you. And so it kind of stuck, you know, that just be you.
1: Hmm.
0: Embrace your unique self and don't worry about, you know, what everybody else is doing.
1: So tell us about that experience of you going and back to school and getting your master's degree. What would you say was something mm-hmm. very valuable that you learned from that?
0: It's funny because growing up, for some reason, I always thought I was not a great student or that smart. I don't know. I think it, I don't know where it came from. I think we probably heard it in the house. Like my father was kind of strict with grades. Like you need to get these grades. And, you know, if you play a sport, you better letter in it. You know, like, I don't know. And so you kind of shut down a little bit. And so I always thought, oh, I'm not that great of a student. I'm not that great of a student. You know, I I went all through college and everything, kind of telling myself I wasn't that great of a student. And I think at an older age, choosing back to to go to college, I mean, I was like 40 something, 40, I don't know how long I've been graduated now, but I was like 45-ish going back to college. And all these kids were, you know, in their 20s. And I realized I have to stop telling that story to myself that I am a good student. And, you know, it was it was a learning experience for me to kind of get out of my fear and just do it. Like, just be like, no, you're you don't, you know, live in fear, die in fear. You have to push yourself. And I did. And it was probably one of the hardest things I did was get this degree.
1: Hmm. Wow. It's, it's so important to watch the stories that we tell ourselves.
0: Mm hmm. Yes, it is. It really is. Our, our mind is very powerful.
1: Something that almost everybody has witnessed these days is the anonymity of the internet. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't say this in any kind of preachy way. I mean, I've been guilty of this too, where I see something somebody wrote online, and I think, oh, my gosh, how could you say that? And then I realize after I write it, like, wow, the way I made my point was really, it was just not the kindest way of doing that. Sometimes it's easy to forget, hey, that's a person on the other side of the screen.
0: uh, Yeah, it's true. I mean, the Internet, the Twitter, all of, you know, these kind of platforms that people use, you can be brave when nobody (laughs) knows who you are. You know, you can just put something out that, you know, isn't nice, isn't kind because it's nobody knows who you are. And I mean, it's that's the worst part about the internet is that, you know, there's so much hate out there sometimes and you're like, gosh, you know, that's a human behind it. Like, randomly enough, I watched Taylor Swift's documentary. And, you know, she went through, I mean, people just destroyed her and just said all these mean things. And, and, and it's just like you said, like we don't get to see the human behind the suffering of what your words just did. We just think, Oh, we're just saying it. It doesn't matter. But she actually humanized it when you watch this documentary and you're like, wow, like your words hurt. You know, you have to be careful with what you're saying because, you know, there's feelings, there's people, there's children, you know, there's, there's lots of emotion that goes and, and, you know, a lot of times people only pick up the negative. Like somebody can say 10 great things and, you know, a lot of times our ego and our brain goes to only the negative. And so that's what you're picking up and that's what you focus on. And then, you know, you go down this whole rabbit hole of, You know, not feeling so great about yourself all because of somebody else's words who wasn't even brave enough to say who they are or whatever. Mm. I mean, so you have to put it all into perspective. That's the biggest thing to say. Okay, I don't know if you ever saw. I think it's Jimmy Kimmel who did. You know, he does those mean tweets. Oh, yeah. And then he went in to see, like, it was a skit he did to say, who who's sending this tweet and goes down into a basement. And it's some guy, like, with cheese doodles all over his hands and, you know, just sitting in his basement. And so you kind of have to put it into perspective and say, okay, you know, I can't let the words of these people affect me.
1: Hmm. Well, I know that there's somebody out there listening who they have – witness this same thing. They have been picked on by somebody online or maybe in person. What do you think someone should do when they feel that they're being targeted for something they believe or for who they are?
0: Well, I mean, bullying is so hard, right? Because it all depends on the person. So usually the person doing the bullying is lacking love, lacking attention, you know, lacking some confidence in themselves. So in order to make themselves feel better, they're going to put others down. And so, you know, if the person being bullied is strong enough, then, you know, every family and household should actually have these conversations with their kids to say, they're bullying you because they see you have what they don't. And so I always... I've seen a few things where you can so if you're being bullied and you actually give that person love and say you know look at them through the eyes of love and kind of understanding and so say you were bullying me i'd be like hey i really like your shoes
1: hmm
0: and then the bully's like wait what how did we get here like i'm supposed to be angry and picking on you and now you're sending me love and it deflects it it's weird it really does and then like they have nothing else to say but I mean, if you obviously feel safe and you don't feel harmed and this is in person and you can try to handle it yourself, I always try to just say, you know, send that person love, come from a place of love and understanding that this person is hurting. Bullies are usually hurting inside.
1: Very true.
0: But if you don't feel safe and you feel like threatened, obviously kids should tell a parent or a teacher or, you know, principal or something to kind of help them. But I think if you have the conversations in your family about bullying and, you know, I always used to say to my kids, like my daughter was picked on in in um, middle school and she would come home so upset. And of course I would give her, you know, empathy and sit with her with it. And then at the end I would say, now remember that feeling. So we don't treat anybody else like that. Wow. You know, so if we can teach our kids that, you know, about bullies and why they bully and, you know, just a little understanding and that it's not about you and that they're actually probably jealous of you because they know you have what they don't. Which is usually love or a loving family or, you know, understanding family or something.
1: Hmm. Then I guess there's also. All of the things that sometimes we think somebody else has and in mm-hmm. social media there's just you can make so many comparisons. you can look right. at somebody on Instagram and you, you swear that they go on vacation every week by the way what right. that post right So it seems right. like people they present an idealized version of themselves on Facebook right. on Instagram
0: right. Which, you know, it's, it's interesting. I have such a love hate relationship with Instagram and all of that kind of stuff. But I just, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend and, you know, everybody's putting up their highlight reels. And so even us as adults, we look at things and we can be like, Oh man, just like you said, they seem like they're on vacation every other week. <laughs> but what we have to kind of, you know, everything's perspective. And so if you can have this perspective of, Instagram is basically somebody's photo album, right? And so back in the day, we would make photo albums. And when we printed up the pictures, if there was a bad one or a blurry one or or whatever, we wouldn't put it in the photo album. We'd be like, Oh man, this didn't come out right. And so, you know, if we can just say, Oh, well, that's, this is their photo album. This is great. This is their memories and it's you know, try not to compare yourself to them and just put it into perspective of that's their life. Obviously we know nothing is as it seems. I'm sure they fight. I'm sure their kids are screaming and crying and doing all these things too. But I think again with Instagram it's perspective.
1: Mm. <laughs> I think
0: the the one thing I don't like is, you know, kids sometimes can't decipher that. And for the kids, I feel like on Instagram and Snapchat, they do all these things and it's not necessarily comparing themselves, but it's also feeling left out mm. because there's, you know, if you and I back in the day went to the beach, no one would know it. Or if we went out to lunch, no one would feel bad because we weren't like advertising it and taking pictures and You know, I think a lot of times these kids put up so many things and they're insensitive to, oh, shoot, Sarah, you know, Sarah, we didn't invite Sarah. And now Sarah sees that they all went to the beach without her. You know what I mean? So that's the part that always gets me with the younger kids is that left out feeling.
1: So what do you find our teens and our young people are craving, or what do you find that they need the most of these days that they're not getting?
0: I think our teens are missing out on kind of the social, emotional learning and also connectedness of human connectedness. Like they Snapchat and they, you know, watch TikToks or send TikToks back and forth. But I feel like the time of sitting in your bedroom with a bunch of girlfriends with no phones and talking about life and your feelings and I'm sad today, you know what I mean? Like, I feel sad today and you play a sad song and like, I feel like that kind of interaction is missing, the connectedness, the seen and heard, like, I can talk to you and I feel seen and heard. Do you understand like I feel like everybody's on their phone, mm-hmm. everybody's like distracting and looking at TikTok and I just don't know if if they're really saying like, you know, I don't know if they're really having conversation about their emotions or you know like even these times we're in like wow this really stinks that we're not going back to college or or whatever. Because it's almost like with the internet and everything, you avoid it. You avoid your feelings. And it's like an avoidance. And I feel like that's what they need to get back to that connectedness, you know, to being seen and heard and understood by your friends.
1: Wow, absolutely. Especially, Especially this year.
0: Yes. Right. Yeah, this year. I mean... This year, actually, the Internet saved everybody to have a connectedness. When we couldn't be together, you could Zoom or you could, you know, FaceTime with people. So that was actually a positive. But I feel in in times when we are able to gather and be together that the phones act as such a distraction.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm hoping we can get into this concept of self-care, which it seems like it can be uh, something where we we think of ourselves last, and how can mm-hmm. what is self-care and how can that help our young people, our teens?
0: Well, I mean, self-care is just putting yourself on the list. And making sure that you take care of you first, because if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to be no good for anybody else. And so, self-care can be as easy as going outside for one minute, taking a deep breath, exhaling, and just giving yourself a minute. It could be as easy as, you know, whatever... Whatever works for that person that resonates a sense of peace, whether it's going to look at your garden or going to pick a flower or playing your favorite song and dancing to it, taking a shower, you know, writing in your journal, whatever gives you a sense of feeling taken care of, you know, by yourself. But actually... Doing it, you know what I mean. Not just saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll get to me, I'll get to me." Like, you know, even our healthcare workers. I mean, it's so important for them to just take a breather right now. Like, go find a room by yourself and just be by yourself for one minute. Come back and then, you know, you 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 have the energy. You feel recharged. You feel, you know, taken care of. But it, it we have to put ourselves on the list, and that's what I think. It, it's just you know, making sure you're taken care of so that you can, you know, be good for everybody else in your world. And it can be as simple as one minute.
1: So true. And it's just amazing what the difference between an hour where you, you feel refreshed versus, you know, five Mm -hmm. hours of not feeling like you've been taken care of. And you can accomplish so much more in that short period of time if you just give yourself a little care. Absolutely.
0: I mean, anything, even make a tea, you know, meditate for one minute. Look at something beautiful. Just go look at the sky for a second and just take a big inhale and exhale. You know, just giving yourself a moment of refresh and taking care of yourself. I mean, obviously, if you have more time, you You do whatever works for you, a bubble bath, a glass of wine, you know, whatever,
1: a bike ride, a walk. What is a book that you would say has affected your life?
0: Um, I think the book that probably was a huge transition in my life was, it's called, well, this one book is all of it in one book, but it's the complete writings of Florence Scovel Shin. And she kind of does like the game of life and how to play it. And she, she she's a very interesting, this was written in 1925. And she was a, a young artist who, after she divorced her husband, kind of gave up art because he was an artist too. And she got into writing and she got into kind of metaphysics. And basically it's all about how our word is our wand. Like watch your thoughts, watch your words, you know, kind of like what the secret is today, you know, or the law of attraction or whatever. But this woman wrote this in nineteen twenty five, I believe, and it's just kind of eye opening to me and very transitional to be understand that we are all just energies and what we, you know, give out to the universe is what we're going to get back.
1: How interesting. And tell that uh, tell us the title again, one more time.
0: So she has a few books, but this is the complete writing of Florence Scoville Shin.
1: Florence Scovel Shin. And
0: so, yeah, it has the game of life, your word is your wand, the power of the spoken word, and the secret door to success.
1: Okay. And I understand you're writing a book.
0: Well, I'm not really writing a book. I'm actually like compiling a book. Okay. So it's, you know, through just be you, all proceeds, everything will go to the charity, but it's based off of letters to your younger self. And you know, what would you tell your 13 year old self? And so what I did is I actually got people who are Younger, not necessarily, you know, like a Barbara Bush kind of people. So when you're 13, you're like, who's Barbara Bush? You know what I mean? (laughs) So, you know, I got Kevin Love and Andy Grammer, like all of these younger people who, you know, Luke Bryan, Brad Paisley, Jimmy Johnson, kind of like younger generational people who... A 13 year old would be like, Oh, okay, you know, they're not 90 telling me they're kind of closer. And you know, you know, younger kids think their parents don't know anything. So that's why I went with kind of a younger generation to kind of tell them. So it'll be, you know, letters from these influential people and hopefully inspiring. I feel like when you can find yourself in a story and you know, it kind of will give you resilience to say, oh, he had that go on when he was my age. Well, if he made it through, so can I. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you can relate to somebody else's story and find yourself in their story, then it's kind of like, a, oh, wow, me too. Like I, I'm going through that and I'm going to be okay because they were okay. And it made them who they are. Mm. You know, that's my goal is to see that, you know, not only did this happen to me, but it made me who I am today.
1: And what a great question. So what is something that you would tell or ask or say to the 13-year-old Beth?
0: Um, you know, it's funny because my literary agent said that I should include mine in the beginning. And although I'm asking all these people for letters, I'm struggling to (laughs) write my letter. Uh, (laughs) But I think the biggest thing that I have learned in my life is I matter. Like somebody, the way somebody treats me or what they do to me isn't a reflection of me necessarily. You know what I mean? Like it's more of a reflection of them. And so I think the biggest thing that I would say to somebody is, you know, don't base your worth on somebody else's actions.
1: Hmm. Very good. I've been doing this lightning round thing lately, which people have been really enjoying, and it can be okay. the thing that first pops into your head or whatever. Definitely. But what is a movie you could never get tired of seeing?
0: Ah, oh, my favorite movie, which everybody always kind of is like, what? Legally Blonde. I love that movie because it starts out that people think it's like, you know, oh, a woman trying to chase a man, but it turns out to be more, you know, it's like, yay, go women. And I don't know, have you ever seen it?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Love that movie.
1: And what is one of the most overlooked places in South Carolina?
0: Um. Overlooked. I don't know, overlooked, but I think one of the magical places is Botany Bay. It's out by Edisto and it's like this bird sanctuary and it's on the beach and there's all these like down trees and amazing shells. It's really magical.
1: What is something people may be surprised to know about you?
0: Um, I don't know. I'm a really good juggler.
1: I definitely wouldn't have thought. (laughs) I can juggle. You can juggle. Interesting.
0: I can juggle. And I taught my son how to juggle. Yes, we could join the circus.
1: (laughs) Is it true that you're a painter? I do paint.
0: I do. I think, you know, I do it for fun. Mm -hmm. But I really enjoy it. And it's a good self-care for me. I go and I paint and it takes me away.
1: What kind of things do you paint?
0: I just do abstract, you know, just kind of moving the brush around.
1: Hmm?
0: Whatever comes out, it's always different.
1: What is the best thing about being Beth Rucker?
0: The best thing about being Beth Rucker? I don't know. I guess being a mom to my babies, that's the best thing, who aren't really babies anymore. But I would say
1: that. Well, since you're a painter, I always like to mm-hmm. give the guest the microphone at the end. So, it's like the end of the show. It's it's a blank canvas. You can put whatever you want on it. What would you say to anyone who's tuned in?
0: Anyone who's tuned in right now, I would say especially in these times, I think the most important thing is self-care. Check in on our loved ones, because I think that people are kind of, a lot of people are hiding from their emotions of the, the, the pressures that we're all under right now. And, you know, check in on your loved ones, see how they're doing, and self-care. Make sure you're taking care
1: of yourself right now. So my last question, so much of this show has been about getting to know yourself and, and being aware of yourself and your needs.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Who is Beth Leonard Rucker? How would you define yourself?
0: Um, I think I am, I kind of see myself as, I don't know, I think I have a kind heart. I love connecting people with other people. I think I'm a good friend. And I think I'm pretty simple. I like the simple things in life. It doesn't take much to make me happy. I love the sunrise, the sunset, the beach, and the beauty that we're living in.
1: Well spoken. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I'm pretty simple.
1: Well, again, I want to invite everybody to check out JustBeYou.org. Yes,
0: yes. It's exciting. It's exciting stuff that we have coming up for the fall, too. am going to do a documentary and just try to get the word out in other ways, to spread the love, to spread the understanding, and it's all good moving forward.
1: Well, Beth, thank you very, very much for being with us.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm in such beautiful company. I love it. <laughs>
1: Well, it's an honor to talk to you. Well,
0: thank you, and I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and weekend.
1: And you, too. Have a wonderful, wonderful one. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. Hosted, written, and produced by Paul Leslie. Intro theme song, Alexander's Ragtime Band. Written by Irving Berlin. Performed by Dan Barrett. Outro Scanning G Things, ball. improvised, Balls performed, ball. and produced by John Goodwin. Until next time. Goodbye.